You're listening to the Pure Desire Podcast, your safe place to find hope, healing, and freedom from sexual addiction, betrayal, and relationship issues. What's up, guys? Just wanted to let you know about our upcoming Pure Desire Men's Conference, September 14th, Troutdale, Oregon at Harvest Christian Church. This is a one-day event that's going to be a great time together. We're going to have food, we're going to have fellowship, and we're going to have some great sessions and teachings on sexual integrity, how to create it, how to maintain it, how to live in community the best way we know how. Our featured speaker is Jay Stringer. We also have a sit-down with Dr. Ted and other sessions that you guys are going to love. Make sure to register and check out all the info on our website, puredesire.org slash pdmen. We'll see you guys there. What's up, people? I am your host, Trevor Windsor, and you are listening to episode 110 of the Pure Desire podcast. I am here, as always, with my co-host, Nick Stumbo. This is Jeopardy! (laughs) And here's your host, Trevor Windsor. Ah. I mean, Alex Trebek. Um, dude, real talk. How long has he been doing Jeopardy? A long time. I was talking to my kids about Ugh, this the other day because it came crazy. on and I said, you know, Alex Trebek was old when I was a kid. <laughs> of course, when you're a kid, you think everyone's old, but totally. that, that guy has aged well. I hear he's sick right now, which is you know, really, really sad because yeah. he's kind of an icon and such the kind of guy you just like watching him because yeah. he's so friendly and, um, <laughs> yeah, love Jeopardy. Um, so, uh, this is maybe just more a testament to my age, but, uh, Alex Trebek is more popular because of Will Ferrell on SNL playing him. And then another guy on SNL playing Sean Connery and their dialogue in the Jeopardy skit is just so good. Uh, it still blows me away the knowledge that people have and they can, well, even just the talent to answer your question or answer the question with a question. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, today, uh, you and I sat down with Heather Kolb, our content manager, our neuroscience guru, basically. Um, yeah, she's just a stud. We really appreciate her. We sat down and we talked about, uh, what parents need to know about porn. Yeah, I think a, a big topic and, and one that impacts all of us, um, even if we don't have kids, because we live in a society where we're going to interact with kids in one way or another. And uh, it occurs to me this could also be a podcast that maybe a listener has been referred to because mm-hmm. they're a parent and totally. they're finding stuff in their home and they're saying, what do I do? And a friend says, oh, have you heard this podcast? So I, I hope today um, encourages them. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's a topic mm-hmm. that can be overwhelming, but I hope it gives them some really practical ideas of what they can do, whether yeah. they're in the complete proactive side, or they're mm-hmm. just trying to, they've got younger kids and yep. they're trying to think preventatively, or maybe they're in the middle of a crisis and they are clueless what to do, that today I'll really give them some solid yeah. foundation uh, to move forward on. Yeah. And I think, uh, as you can already tell from the title and in our intro, it is important that you know about what's going on. So uh, this is a great episode. We really enjoyed our time. So enjoy the episode. Heather, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're really glad you're here. Yes. Thanks. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, Heather works like just over there, just one <laughs> office away. So when we say we're glad you're here, what we mean is that you showed up to work today. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> and walk across <laughs> the hall. Yeah, that's right. Uh, for those of you Enneagram people, Heather's a five. Okay. So that just, we'll just put that into perspective. Um, all right. So today's episode, we're talking really about what parents need to know about porn. Um, and, uh, I think there's a lot going on. So let's just kind of start off with this porn has come a long way in really how it's distributed. Um, like really the graphic nature of it. Um, but 
basically for parents, and they could be uh, on the spectrum of they know exactly what's going on, whether it's because of their struggle or not. Maybe they have no idea what's out there in the world. What are some trends that you see in the world that we're seeing in the world when it comes to porn? So it's interesting because today when you think about the way that our kids get information, what do they do? If they want to find out anything about anything, they go online to get it. Whether they're curious about something or whether they're doing homework for a class, whatever it is, they're going to go online to get it. And that's really what parents need to keep in mind when it comes to this issue about pornography. Because it's it's one of the things, too, that after we're done with this episode today, I think that parents will have a greater awareness of really you know, how to stay in relationship with their kids, but then also where are their kids going to maybe find out something that they didn't intend to find out when it comes to pornography and really internet use. And so I think that one of the things that, like when you talk about the trends that are out there, is that people need to just be aware of what's happening culturally that might cause kids to be more curious about something than they would have been otherwise. So a perfect example is the TV show Game of Thrones. So that show, really super popular, but it also talks about incest in a way that might cause a kid to say, man, what does that look like? And to search out incest porn when normally maybe they wouldn't have otherwise, you know, and that's just a simple example. Um, The other thing too to keep in mind for parents is that when we talk about the different trends, like you, um, like when we think about porn, historically it was more just about nudity or it was about more conventional sex. Whereas today online you can find everything. You can find group sex and same sex and forms of sex you don't want to see and more violent and abusive sex. And so I think that parents need to be aware of of really when we talk about trends of, like you said, the graphic nature of what now constitutes even normal porn is nothing like what it has been historically. Yeah, this is such a good and deep question. I mean, we could do a whole Mm -hmm. podcast just on these trends because it's, it's really significant for us as parents and adults to think about what our kids are facing that is different mm-hmm. from what we faced. And we grew up in an era, um, even though we're on the younger side, that was still image-driven. It was pictures. And yeah, there were videos that could be rented, but it was you had to go to a corner store. There was a lot of risk of exposure if someone's seeing you. So for most people, the battle was around images or even in the early days of the internet, waiting for a single image to download over dial-up. Mm-hmm. versus the accessibility and availability for kids. Uh, one of the things I heard th- that I think about a lot as a parent is that a kid in their bedroom with a cell phone could see more porno- pornographic images in one night than their parents saw in a lifetime yep. of viewing mm-hmm. magazines yeah. because you're able just to go from image to image, scene to scene, mm-hmm. and and there's that binge nature could just flood a person's right. system with with all kinds of information in even just a couple of hours. Uh, so we've gone from being very image-driven, the, the other thing, being very image-driven to being video, mm-hmm. that it's mm-hmm. it's it's video scenes and that that's what's grabbing people's imagination uh, because they're watching it play out in front of them. And they can go from the intense climax shot one after another after another. And so it's not maybe how we've thought of traditional pornography of more soft core, that there's a story and there's buildup. Mm-hmm. And, right. and certainly that exists. Yeah. But what's being... Um, just proliferated on the internet is the hardcore scene after scene after yep. scene yep. Uh, that can just flood someone's brain. And what, what Heather was talking about too is something that I'm hearing called the porn paradox, 
that never before has porn been more popular and never has it been more violent. And and we're really training our kids. If yeah. they're exposed to pornography, we're training them that sex and violence go together. Yeah. Uh, there was some great research done a few years ago on the top 50 adult films from that given year, and they found that in 88% of the scenes, there was violence against women in the scene. And what's even more troubling than that percentage is that 96% of those scenes, the woman's reaction was either positive or no response at all. And, and to think about that, porn says violence is wanted or expected from a man towards a woman. And then we're horrified by what we see happening in society. And we have to have these honest times to say, well, we're, we're just seeing in society what's being reflected in pornography. So I, I think for parents to take those realities seriously of the video nature, the availability, the mm-hmm. violence, um, that those are the trends that I think honestly are, are just going to continue um, and the last thing I would say, because again, this could be a whole podcast, <laughs> but but the trend that we need to be very serious to pay attention to is pornography is actually driving advancement in technology. Yeah, mm-hmm. that it's because yeah. of the money. We're talking billions and billions mm-hmm. of dollars being made, and when there's a new technology that can be used for porn, the billions of dollars that can be made will necessitate someone's going to do it, and so. Being more aware of how uh, there's pornographic video games that are being produced in mass, some of them being marketed to look like innocent games, but then having all kinds of, you know, sex and nudity, um, virtual reality, and mm-hmm. and really that whole virtual reality world and the accompanying uh, gadgets that could go with it. At, at the root, most of those have been developed with pornography in mind, and so. When you're looking at technology for your kids, I mm-hmm. think we really have to ask the question every time, how did a billions and billions of dollar pornography industry intend for this to be used? Because there's a likelihood my child could inadvertently stumble across those purposes and get sucked into that. And I, I know we don't want to think that when we're buying a new gaming system or a device or some cool VR thing that our kids are into, but th- there's an industry that is seriously targeting older teens and even younger teens now to say, we can make a lot of money off them, so let's hook them early. Yeah. And as parents, just to be wise to that, because if yeah. we're aware, there there are ways to successfully um, guard against that and to help our kids be wise to that. And 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 we don't have to live in this just perpetual fear of oh my gosh, they're out to get my kids. Uh, but if we take seriously the threats that are there, then we can respond appropriately. Uh, to help our kids navigate those successfully. Well, I think that that's going to be really the gist of this episode. Uh, A really common theme is going to be keep your eyes up, keep your head up and pay attention Mm -hmm. because this stuff is not going to go anywhere. And so it's always going to be present, Um, you know, unless, unless God like enacts on it in incredible ways, this is going to be around um, for a long time. And so, yeah, I mean, I just, even just listening to both of you, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm, further back on the road of parenting, like I'm just starting it, understanding that it's not going anywhere. I can't just put it on cruise control and hope that health is going to be a part of, you know, my family and my kids' lives. I got to be intentional about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, So one of the reasons we're concerned about the impact on our kids isn't just that viewing pornography is bad or wrong. And I think morally we would say there's obviously things that are bad and wrong about it. But we want to look more holistically at the impact it has on us. Um, And research is showing over and over uh, the impact that pornography is having on the brain. Mm -hmm. So, Heather, talk to us a little bit specifically about a kid's brain. What kind of impact does pornography have on a a 
kid's brain and on their brain development. Yeah. So this is a great question because this is one of the things I think that parents don't necessarily recognize unless they, you know, grab a book or 10 books on really what's happening developmentally with their kids and with the changes in their brain. And, and it really is an amazing, um, perfect storm, if you will, the number of things that are happening in a kid's brain and body, mm. really from starting as early as 10 years old up into their young adulthood. Yeah. Um, a couple key things that are happening that kind of work against each other. Um, one is the limbic system. So the limbic system is the very center of our yeah. brain that is the pleasure and reward center of our brain. And it produces dopamine when we find something that is new and exciting, something that makes us feel good. So mm-hmm. again, it has that emotional component to it. And so when you have kids who Um, stumble across porn, even if it's accidental, that first exposure can be traumatic, but it also can be really exciting and it can be fearful and exhilarating and euphoric Mm -hmm. and have all of these feelings connected to it, which then again causes them to want to want it to crave it in a mm-hmm. lot of ways yeah. and Keep the limbic it, brain holds on to all that right just absolutely. like seals it into yeah. their thinking yeah and the limbic system is fully functional by the time that they're six years old yeah. so again this is a huge part of their development yeah. the downsize for kids and especially for teenagers is that their prefrontal cortex the area of our brain that really helps us with impulse control and decision making is not fully developed until our mid-20s And so this is kind of that conflict that you see with kids when Mm. they are, they almost seem fearless sometimes. They're pursuing reckless behavior. They're doing things that are risky. And parents are looking at them thinking, what's the matter with you? Why are you doing these crazy things? And it's because their breaking system of the brain, their prefrontal cortex isn't engaged yet. And so that's why it really does this, this time in their lives makes them more susceptible to addictive behaviors because their limbic system craves now what they, the experience and the feelings that they get, the high that they get from pornography. Hmm. And there isn't the part of their brain saying, no, you shouldn't do this or this is going to hurt you. That part of their brain isn't really working yet. And so those are just a couple of the things that are happening really with with kids during yeah. during this developmental phase. And I feel like it's such an important piece to understand as a parent to know this stuff, because if you know, then you can have those conversations. Yeah. Um, education is such a big piece. Obviously, we talk a lot on the podcast about being healthy. I mean, just in our ministry, mm-hmm. we talk about that all the time, that your health is the most important thing. And I think a part of that toolkit will also be understanding the statistics, understanding neurochemistry, understanding where the world is at and where it's going. But like, if you don't understand this stuff, it's going to be really difficult to engage in a conversation with your kid about it. Yeah. You know, one of the the brain guys that we quote a lot, or I should say Heather quotes a lot, uh, is Norman (laughs) Doidge. And I I heard someone uh, speaking recently and they quoted him. And I thought this was so significant as it relates to our kids because uh, this is a thing that he writes in the, the brain that changes itself. He says, sexual tastes are molded by an individual's experience and their culture. These tastes are acquired and then wired into the brain. We are, uh, now this is the part that really got me. We are unable to distinguish our second nature from our original nature 
because our neuroplastic brains, once rewired, develop a new nature every bit as biological as our original. Mm-hmm. And, and what that says to me is when our kids are exposed to something, it's writing a message into their brain that feels as natural to them as what they were born with. And I think we're seeing in our society as, as kids, especially a young generation says, well, I was born this way, or I just do what I feel, or that's what I want, not realizing that many of those things were created by what they've been exposed to and what culture has taught them. And so mm-hmm. our, our brains are made to learn by modeling, mm-hmm. by what we see, we do. What we see in others, we do. And and obviously we're not exposing our kids to seeing people mm-hmm. have sex in a healthy way. We hope they learn that as part of human development. But in pornography, they're being modeled, this is what sex is. And that can imprint on their brain in a way to just say, oh, well, well, that's who I am, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that that's actually a byproduct of what they've been exposed to. And so there's there's really significant stuff at stake here. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting too that, you know, a lot of parents will act like, well, it's really not that big of a thing. They might look at it for a little while and then they're going to get bored with it. And unfortunately, because of what's happening in their brain, they're not going to get bored with it. It, yeah. it really triggers this cycle the same way it does with drug users. You know, yeah. they're going to pursue it. Right. And when they don't get that same feeling and they don't get that same high from it, then they're going to crave it even mm. more and be less satisfied. And so then it's going to cause them to seek out mm. something that is is more risky and more exciting and more taboo in order to get that same high. Yeah. Yeah, this the same speaker, by the way, is Clay Olson, the founder of Fight the New Drug. He mm. talked about studies for uh, men who are being treated for sexual dysfunction. And there's recent research that has come out among boys aged 16 to 21. So this is young men that are just arriving into their, you know, fullness of testosterone and manliness, that 53% of them were saying they had some kind of a sexual dysfunction. Wow. And, and there's yeah. there's no doubt there's the obvious correlation mm-hmm. between what their brain is consuming and they're getting more and more and more. And that supernormal stimuli to their brain now is impossible to mimic in real relationships. Right. And, and, and they're not capable of the kind of relationship they want. You'd say, but if that's happening to 16 to 21-year-old boys, yeah. just what you're saying, Heather— it's not something they get bored with. The brain will just keep consuming and consuming mm-hmm. and yeah. consuming until it literally is beginning to destroy itself. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we talked about the trends and, and now research, but uh, porn isn't just on the internet or isn't just websites anymore. I mean, with the development of the smartphone, you know, people are, you're walking around with porn in your pocket, right? Yeah. That's what we talk about a lot. And so um, what are some apps, other places that parents need to be aware of and the presence of porn. Yeah, well, and this is one of the things too that um, a lot of parents think, you know, not my kid, not not my house, they're not doing this. And I think that, that parents need to be aware of, of really how easily kids end up on porn sites, whether it was their intent yeah. or not. And the other thing too is that, and I know that this is something that I learned when my kids were in high school um, that was really quite alarming. And this was 10 years ago. So one of my kids, I was helping him with a book report that he was doing. He went online to thewhitehouse.com and pulled up 
up a wet a porn site, you know, because that's not how you get to the White House. You know, right. you get to the White House with a dot gov. Yeah. But porn companies, they're intentional. Yeah. They are super intentional. And again, that was 10 years ago. Yeah. And so just thinking about how they are using social media platforms, you know, mm-hmm. which are really popular today yeah. to hook kids is really alarming. I was reading recently some research that Dr. Gail Dines had done on Instagram and mm-hmm. Snapchat and just how you can have a kid who's on Instagram and how they will either use a specific emoji or yeah. something, you know, or a hashtag and it will link them to a porn site. Mm-hmm. I mean, unknowingly. Right. I mean, really, it's almost anywhere because yeah. if you look at even the way, you know, Facebook and some of these other platforms that they are posting what somebody else has posted and you never know what kind of links are in there that are going to lead your kid yeah. to a porn site. Yeah. Yeah, I think what Heather was saying about um, pornographers are smart and they mm-hmm. mimic names and titles to be close to but not quite the same. So teaching our kids health about how they do internet searches um, mm-hmm. and where they do internet searches yeah. um, and, and keeping that public and the, the mm-hmm. family's aware of, uh, there's just some basic health there. Um, and then also things like you know, on YouTube, there's suggested videos. Yep. and. If you get into some terminology that's even close to what's yeah. in pornography, those suggested videos can yeah. get uh, pretty raunchy pretty fast. So as, as parents, we want to make sure we've got uh, safe search turned on. And there are some things that thankfully YouTube mm-hmm. does have in place, but you have to activate them. They YouTube comes wide open and unlocked. You have to go into your settings. You need to make sure it's safe search so that those videos aren't even uh, accessible. And, and just to be monitoring... Um, I, I know that, and I got some of this from Ashley Jameson, that from time to time, as parents, you need to just Google, as a parent, you know, in the right way to say, you know, um, apps that teens are using to hide porn. Because mm-hmm. there are there are calculators. Yeah. They look like a calculator app, but underneath it, it's some sort of sexting or it porn site. It is the, the nature of the internet is it'd be hard for us on this podcast to even list out what they are. Because oh, yeah. probably by the time many people have heard them, they would have changed and, right. and altered. And that's part of the pornography industry's approach is they know that a lot of what they do is skirting the law and it's illegal. So as soon as they get found out or a certain segment gets caught, that just disappears and it gets recreated as something new. Yeah. So as parents, we have to be willing, you know, maybe it's even on a monthly basis to sit at our computer and in an educated way pull up because there are other parent watch groups that are dedicated to this that they want to help us be informed and uh, Culture Reframed is, is Gail Dines' organization. That's a really good one just mm-hmm. to be connected to because that's the work they're trying to do is how right. do we protect our kids. Um, another one is called Protect Young Minds. Um, they stay pretty relevant on a lot of those things. Yeah. So that we're just connected to what what is out there to tempt our kids. And like you said earlier, Trevor, keeping our heads up, staying wise mm-hmm. to it. We, we can't cover everything. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we could never produce mm-hmm. a list of every dangerous app. Yeah. Uh, but we can be wise to what's out there and what are our kids exposed to because yep. that can open up the right conversations at home. Well, we got to be aware too of the mainstream stuff. Like mm-hmm. um, you look at uh, the three right now online, the three biggest places people go for um, like streaming like movies, mm-hmm. uh, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and then maybe a fourth would be YouTube. Um, that 
the people who make these movies and who, cause now they're all making their own original content and that mm-hmm. original content, a lot of it has nudity in it and sexuality in it because yeah. that's a part of life uh, for the world. And that's also something that will attract viewers. And so yeah. you have to be, be aware because we talk about apps. I have the Netflix app on my phone. I have the Hulu app on my phone and it's very, it'd be so easy to access and to just search erotic films on Netflix and find it. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and here's the thing too, and this is my, uh, you know, we got that like hunter gatherer type of um, mindset, you know, growing up when I was looking at, at pornography sites, I would find ways around the structures and systems my parents put in place. Yeah. Even Netflix now, you can get rid of your browsing history. Yeah. You can get rid of your browsing history on every single uh, platform and on your device. And so be aware that it's like, oh, it's just Netflix. We all have an account. I can see what my kids are watching. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. And understand that if you have an Amazon Prime account and you're not using the video service, that doesn't mean your kids aren't using the video service and f- finding stuff on there too. And so just you got to be aware and you got to keep your head up with that stuff too because it's not just porn trying to find its way around. It's like it's mainstream on these platforms and not that these platforms are inherently bad, but it's there. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I think it brings up the question of what is our approach as parents? Yeah. If our approach as parents is policing, we can't police well enough often enough and it puts us in an awkward situation where we're looking to catch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there is a level of you know, guidance and guarding we need totally. to do, but the nature of our relationship to our kids needs to be conversational and mm-hmm. relational about helping right. them ahead of time understand what those dangers are. Because yeah. that's what I'm, you know, I'm finding my kids are right in that era where my 14-year-old and my 11-year-old are moving into the age groups where they're aware of sex and kids that are talking about it. But we're able to have conversations, and I, I'm really excited just to see, I feel like their their kids' brains are bent towards health. Mm-hmm. They don't want to engage in something that's weird or abnormal or they don't mm-hmm. understand. But if we don't have conversations, they are mm-hmm. more likely to seek it out and be curious. Yep. But as we have conversations, and they'll say things like, who would do that? And I'm like, yeah, it's, that's, it is confusing, isn't it? But here's why. And yeah. um, letting them engage their curiosity with us rather than online where now they're stuck, as you were saying, Heather, in that weird push-pull between I'm kind of grossed out and weirded out, but yet I'm drawn to it and what's maybe there's something wrong with me because when we have to process that alone, it's going to take us to unhealthy places. Absolutely. But when we can have conversations with our kids and we can be part of their development, like I said, I, I think there's something in our brain that wants to be healthy. Our kids want to be healthy and we can help them be a part of that. Yeah, in Digital Natives, Brian and I, we talk about how the same way that a parent teaches their kids to drive defensively, Mm -hmm. that we need to teach our kids how to use the internet defensively Mm -hmm. and just making sure that we as parents are well-educated, that we know what's happening out there, but that we are passing on that information and having those conversations with our kids in a really safe, honest environment. Yeah. So many of our listeners, or maybe only some, when they're thinking about kids and pornography, the internet, they're maybe imagining their 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. And, um, but, but we know from research and data that it's younger and younger ages of kids that are being exposed to pornography. So at, at what age is it most common that kids are being exposed to pornography? And um, how can parents maybe be aware if this has happened um, and they didn't recognize 
that, that there was already time to have these kind of conversations. So the average age based on research is around 11 years old, but keep in mm. mind that that's the average. So for some kids, it can be younger. In fact, it can be much younger than that, that they are first exposed to pornography. And that's a great question about how do we know? You know, how do we know if our kids have stumbled on something? Um, a lot of times you can tell in their behavior because we know our kids, right? And so some things to look for in our kids is is really kind of simple in a way, but if you notice that your kid randomly is isolating, especially if they're isolating from normal activities that they enjoy, from Mm -hmm. even family events, from even isolating from hanging out with their friends, those are good indicators that maybe something's going on and you need to have the conversation with them. Other things that would show up are things like um, decreased performance at school, a lack of concentration. It's interesting how many Mm -hmm. times that that kids, when they get involved in porn and, and really just what's happening in their brain, their dopamine levels are are high, but they are, again, not able to concentrate, and it really disrupts a lot of their normal functioning. Are they not able to sleep as well? Are they sleeping or are they sleeping too much? You know, just different things like that. Um, a good one, and Trevor, we talked about this a little bit, but are they secretive? Are they doing things that, like with their phone and computer, that they don't want their parents to know? In yeah. fact, are they, you know, using... Um, password protectors or are they doing different things like if you walk into the room and your kid is quickly like hitting buttons and closing the computer yes like i used to do that yeah yeah Yeah. and things that are secretive i was reading a research study recently that said that over 70 percent of kids and these are kids ages 13 to 17 that they admit that they have done something to hide their behavior from their parents and so you know and a lot of times it's even it isn't even you know using their own computer or their own phone, but mm-hmm. a lot of them have friends that their parents don't have locks on things, and so they can right. easily get to porn sites through mm-hmm. other devices as well. Yeah. Well, and I know this will sound really crazy and revolutionary, but one of the ways you could know if your kids have been exposed to something is by asking them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and again, goes back to that idea of am I just policing my kids yeah. or developing a relationship? And right. if, if you don't feel the freedom to walk into your kid's bedroom and into their life and say, hey, you know, we've talked about some of the dangers on the internet. I just want to know, honestly, how are you doing? And start from that perspective of even kind of giving them the opportunity to talk about it. Like, have you accidentally come across anything or maybe inadvertently something came up? Because Mm -hmm. I I think they may be hesitant or fearful of your reaction. And so it could come up that way, but, but you kind of allow like, Hey, I'd, I'd rather get them talking than to be like, have you done any of those things we talked about that are Mm -hmm. bad? (laughs) Our demeanor and approach to it is so key, but just developing that kind of relationship because it can create even for them that expectation of, Oh, mom and dad want to talk about this. And when we do, they don't just, and I know I'm jumping into an, an, a question further down the road, but they don't fly off the handle. We, we have a conversation and we yeah. try to figure out, okay, how that yeah. happened and yep. what could we do to you know, right. make that not happen? So I, I think just being willing, and it doesn't have to be a daily conversation or even weekly, but on occasion just say, hey, let's be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? And how can I help? And what what's going on that maybe I don't know about that you wish I did? I, I think giving our kids that opportunity, and I would say this, because I would guess... If my parents had done that, my initial reaction would have been to blow them off. Mm-hmm. Totally. But if they'd have kept doing it, mm-hmm. there were things I would have gone to them with. But because I, I never heard that from them, and I, 
again, we've had great conversations in my family. We've talked through a lot of these things, so there's nothing new here for them. But had because that never happened, I didn't know how to go to them with the things I wanted to. Mm -hmm. So open the doors to those conversations. And I think that's the best way to find out if they've been exposed. Right. Mm -hmm. I think with that too, and and this may sound like I'm contradicting you. I don't think that I am. I think to some degree, you also have to give it space. Mm -hmm. If you've asked maybe two or three times in like a month or two month span and they haven't come to you yet, it doesn't mean that they won't. So don't just feel like, oh, I'm completely failing my kid. You have to make sure that like, because sometimes there's that, like, is the door really going to stay open to this Mm -hmm. conversation? And so I think what you're saying is right on that you continue to kind of revisit it. Um, But just don't, don't just, (laughs) don't just check out and don't just decide we're not going to have this any, this conversation or even go like, you must be looking at porn. That's why you're not talking to me. Don't, don't do that. Allow space and time and trust that as you're building that relationship and creating that culture in your relationship with your kid, that eventually they can walk through it and they probably will if you continue to open it. Mm, absolutely. So um, what if, I mean, because now we kind of understand how to identify if our kid is, has seen porn. Now, if our kid has seen porn, what are the first steps? Like, obviously, I think about my experience and it was like a stern talking from my dad and that was, you know, did, obviously didn't work out super well. Um, but what are the first steps we'd encourage parents to do when they find out that porn's in the picture with their kid? So, and I totally agree, Nick, that we need to talk with them. This was one of those things that, I mean, I have three boys and they're all adults now, mm-hmm. but I remember vividly the day that I got a call from the principal because my son was going to be expelled or for, suspended from school for viewing porn at school. And this again was when a classmate of his brought a page from a magazine from his home and showed my son and they got caught and then this whole ripple effect of behaviors. And so my son was, you know, suspended for a couple days, but you know what? I look at that as such a great opportunity for us to create relationship Mm -hmm. during that time because he had a lot that he needed to talk about and it gave us that opportunity because the other boys were at school and we had the home alone. And for us to talk about that, you know, he didn't quite know how he felt about it. And it was also wrapped up into, in these feelings of, you know, betrayed from his friend and being being really Mm -hmm. accused of something that he didn't do i mean he didn't bring the porn to school it was forced on him embarrassment exactly people know that's what he's you know suspended for all of the above and so but again it wasn't something that i you know he wasn't punished for it he was i mean we went out to lunch and we did fun things and you know because it was something that i should get suspended more (laughs) it was a great experience for us both to build relationship and for him to have an outlet to talk about how he felt about this experience and then also as a parent for me to say you know what this is why God tells us that we need to you know protect our minds and really I was able to talk more freely about God's intent for sex Mm -hmm. and within the context of marriage and and it was so great but again it opened that that doorway of and and that doorway has always been open since of just being able to this is safe this is something I can talk with my mom about this is something that is safe to talk about in our home yeah. and again it wasn't something that was you know condemnation and shame but it was about let me love you through this yep. yeah yeah i totally agree with that we need to ask good questions yeah we need to make sure we understand the whole situation and not jump to conclusions uh, the thing that comes to mind for me as parents we really need to check our emotions yes because 
it can create all kinds of fear, anger, embarrassment, and the words that come out of our mouth could be, how could you do this to me? Or what's wrong with you that you yeah. would want this? Or yeah. how could, and, and all of that is shame, 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 and affirms, yep, something wrong with me. This is sinful. It's horrible because I'm horrible. And, and maybe we're not even intending to communicate that. We're just reacting out of our emotions. Yeah. So we need to make sure we've worked through those things and, and really put our kid and their needs first. Yeah. And go in with some understanding. Say, I I recognize this is a there's attraction here, and, and it's I know what it's like to be curious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the the second point I'd make to parents is you really need to make sure even as you try to walk them through maybe the dangers of what's happening or help them see the wisdom behind avoiding mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is is to really work on affirming the the sexual design God's put in their life to affirm God God designed us to find these things attractive. Right. God made you curious. God. God made you to find a naked body appealing. Like Mm -hmm. those things aren't wrong. Now what we do with them, our response is really important, but if we can help Mm -hmm. affirm our kids that that sexuality and spirituality can go together, that sexuality and your faith can go together, and the things that they are drawn to, the curiosity isn't something weird or different or unique about them. It's part of the human experience. And so if they can develop some comfort with their sexuality, then they are going to be more likely to come to us with other things because they yeah. feel like, oh, th- this is part of being a human. This isn't part of being a bad boy or a bad girl. Right. You know, something that me and Amy were reading, we were reading a book called Parenting by Paul Tripp. And one of the things so that he talks about is basically the the difference or the idea of ownership versus stewardship. And so I think if we're thinking about just like overall health of a parent, understanding that if you view your kid as something that you own and they reflect you in the world, then you are going to take this personally. Then you are going to, when you catch your kid and say things like, how dare you? How could you? It's because you're allowing your kid and how they do in life to reflect your own identity. And that's not stewardship, that's ownership. Um, And so it's just something as you guys are talking, even just to encourage myself to understand that my kid's performance is not what dictates my value either. Mm-hmm. Understanding stewardship, I'm going to take a different approach. I'm going to take that relational approach and try to understand how do I help this kid live the the most healthy and most holy life he can or she can because it's what's best for them rather than how can I get them to stop making me look like a terrible parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so think about the words that are coming out of your mouth that <laughs> they're affirming that they're understanding mm-hmm. totally. and and yeah you're going to guide them into some wisdom but but creating that environment where it's okay to be real and okay to be messy and okay to walk through hard stuff is going to serve you so well as a parent in future conversations yeah. so uh, keep that in mind as you go into it and uh, Heather what about this angle if someone only has daughters because I, th- I think we do feel like well obviously for boys and all those hormones and we got to be aware of that. But if someone only has daughters, do they need to talk to their girls about porn? What what kind of approach do we take if we're in a, a daughters only kind of situation? Yeah, that is a great question because my answer would be absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something about um, even girls today and the way that porn is affecting um, women is really an interesting dynamic. It's changing the way that women view themselves. And again, it's starting when girls are young when they're in high school or even earlier. It's one of those things too that if you look at it from a social construct that nobody wants to be out of the know. You know what I mean? And this is so true when it comes to even the socialization process of kids today. And so even if you have a kid who maybe has personal conviction that porn is wrong, 
but they might look at it still because they don't want to be that kid at school who yeah. doesn't know what porn is. You right. know what I mean? There's yep. such peer pressure around yep. it that that even if they are, you know, not looking at at it for their own personal gain, but mm-hmm. they just want to be in the know, they want to, you know, blend in, then they're going to look at porn. Yeah. And in fact, it's a huge percentage of kids. It's over 90% of kids that it is part of their daily dialogue with their friends mm-hmm. is talking about porn. And so it needs to be something that parents are aware that this is just a reality of their world today. And yeah. And again, not shy away from those conversations, but but have those conversations with with your girls because it's changing the way they view themselves. In fact, right. really in a detrimental way because so many young women are looking to porn to try and figure out who they are, what right. what they're supposed to be sexually, mm-hmm. what men expect, what mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And yeah. so and they're getting a very distorted, tainted view yeah. of what that is from porn. Totally. Yeah. And you have to understand too that silence is is almost the worst thing you can do yeah um that silence on the topic when a woman struggles or a young woman struggles with this um because we hear language about men specifically men struggle with this boys struggle with this boys will be boys type of stuff when it comes to sexuality it just doubles the shame like you're double down on it and and your silence is what actually is creating that yeah well, and I think for our our daughters, especially, I mean, for our sons too, but especially for our daughters, to help them understand the links between pornography and the outcomes of it mm-hmm. in our society of violence against mm-hmm. women and sex trafficking. And I mean, I know my 14-year-old daughter is hearing some stories of girls around her age that have had um, issues with sex trafficking or being caught up in something and yeah. not people she wow. knows, just the stories she hears and yeah. that her sense of like, that is so wrong. Like yeah. how could that happen in our world? And to help connect that, well, that is often rooted in pornography and yeah. how women are treated there. And, yep. and it gives her, I think, more respect for her own body and her own worth and dignity because yeah. she can see the tragic outcome when that isn't respected. And yeah. So I think of that angle and, and with our daughters, especially um, for all the dads out there that are listening, your ability to affirm your daughter's beauty. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't know that'd be emotional. Um, how important your role is yeah. in affirming your daughter's beauty. Because, I mean, the research is there even from a, a secular standpoint that, mm-hmm. that says girls are looking for that affirmation from yep. a male. Yep. And if they're receiving it from their dad, um, even just comments of, man, I'm so glad you're my daughter. You're mm-hmm. so pretty today. Yeah. Those words have huge, huge weight. Yep. So yep. Um, I think that's a huge role that husband, or that dads play and just yeah. encourage you to think about that, that yeah. I can have a role in defending my daughter against those things just because of how I treat her. So, totally. um, yep. yeah, we've, we've got a huge role to play and not just by going, Hey, what are you looking at? But helping build up on the positive side, yep. that part of their brain that then doesn't need yeah. to find uh, affirmation somewhere else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And dude, thanks for being real. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. That's yeah. I don't know how that'll translate on a podcast. Hey, hey <laughs> man. like just knowing that, like, I think what I just take away from that too is like if they understand how much you care about them, mm-hmm. because you can't just assume that kids know how you feel about them. You can't like you as an adult, you can't just assume that you know how people feel about you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, just the importance of communicating and being a part of their life on a daily basis, and not just yeah. in how well are you doing, but in the every facet of their life, like being able to walk alongside them and do life together. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, we're just as sinful as our kids. Like. Maybe we figured a couple more things out because we're further down the road, but we need just as much mm-hmm. Jesus as they do. So, yeah. um, 
yeah, this has been awesome. I mean, I, I, I'm getting a lot out of this episode alone. I think, um, what I would just ask at the end of you guys is just what, what do parents need to know? What are like final encouragements we would give them in, in this conversation? If they're, if they know that porn is a possibility for their kids, um, what else do they need to know? What are encouragements you'd give them? I would say that, remember, it's about relationship. Mm -hmm. It's about relationship. It's about relationship. You know, their behavior, exactly. Their behavior is secondary to relationship. And so as a parent, you know, if you are, you know, having to deal with some of these issues with your kid and you can be proactive instead of reactive Mm -hmm. and you can have the approach that this isn't going to be an if conversation, this is a when conversation, Mm -hmm. when they come to me or when they are exposed. And it's not just one conversation, it's ongoing conversation. And Mm -hmm. even if it's, I mean, if you can see that your kid is struggling and you don't know how to help them, it could be that you go to them and you say, you know what? I can tell that you are hurting over something and I so would love to help you with that. And and I hope that you find that I'm trustworthy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that we take that humble and vulnerable approach with our kids yeah. and, and really that remembering too that porn isn't necessarily the issue. You know, it could be that they're struggling with something else and that mm-hmm. porn is just a symptom of what they're struggling with. And so yeah. again, if as a parent, if you can remember that it comes to relationship, mm-hmm. really it comes down to relationship and how is it that I can you know, walk through this with my kid and stay yeah. in relationship with my kid. That's, that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, this area might feel so big and scary and overwhelming. Totally. It's tempting mm-hmm. to try to just avoid it or stick our heads in the sand. And, yep. and my encouragement to parents would be to say, do something. Yeah. You're not going to do it perfectly. You're not always going to do it well. But if, if you keep coming back to the Lord and keep your heart in it, yeah. doing something mm-hmm. is going to be better than nothing. You yeah. know, we routinely ask at our conferences, how many of you grew up in a home that, that talked openly about sex, that it was safe to talk about sex? Yeah. And, you know, in a room of 100, there will be one hand. And I just think about, you know, as a parent, if my kids are in that room someday, gosh darn it, they're going to be able to raise <laughs> their hand. Even if we don't do it perfectly or sometimes it's awkward, right. it's like we're going to engage and we're going to ask questions and we're going to read up on it and we're going to just make it part of our life and our parenting. And um, and I think that engagement will mean more to your kids. Again, you don't have to be the expert. You don't have to always do it right. But mm-hmm. if you keep that heart right and say, I want to help, you're going to make a difference in your kid's life. So yeah. I know it can feel big, but if you do something, you'll make a difference. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I think understanding too, that, that your development as a human, a holistic, healthy human is going to communicate a lot to your kids. Um, whether you are like word for word telling them or talking to them about what you're learning, or you're just modeling what it looks like to be someone who's developing, that goes a long way. Knowing that mom and dad don't have it all figured out and it's okay when I'm going to be 30, 40, 50 years old and not have to have it all figured out. Like, cool. I think I can do this. Yeah. It just goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes on the podcast we have episodes where it's like, you just know it's good and it's way better than you thought. Maybe it was going to be, this was a big topic. We really only talked about seven We're questions, the surface. Yeah, <laughs> but better come back to this I one. think this is a really good starting place. I think a lot of people, 
Um, whether you are like me and have young kids, whether, you know, Heather, you've got kids now that are grown, um, whether you're in that season or in between, just understanding that uh, this is a topic you'll have to circle back to and we will definitely circle back to mm-hmm. on the podcast. So appreciate uh, appreciate the tears that were like that flowed because of it, the real, the raw, and then also just being honest and vulnerable. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, good to be here. Thank you for listening to the Pure Desire Podcast. If you like what you're hearing and want to keep up with the podcast, please subscribe, download, and share. You can also rate and review our podcast. The more reviews we get, the easier it is for others to find the podcast. If you'd like to support the message of hope and healing in developing sexual integrity, go to puredesire.org slash give. And for more information about the ministry, check out our website, puredesire.org. And you can also follow us on social media, at puredesirepdmi. Once again, that's at puredesirepdmi. We'll see you next time.